Tanya for the ninth of Shvat refers to the story. Reb Hanich of Alisk, the son-in-law of Shalom Abels, during Musaf one particular year, the davening took a very long time. And the, the Musaf took a, took, a, took a long time. So of course the Mincha afterwards, you know, the, the time schedule got pushed off, everything got pushed off. And when it came time for Mincha, and Ne'ilah, the, the Reb Hanech, 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 told the community, he said he wanted to finish by a particular time. And the time started, you know, he started the, the Mincha and the Illa, and by the time he, by the time things started moving along, and he was davening with extreme um, concentration and, and, and excitement, it took, a, took a very long, it took a very long time. And they noticed that the time limit, limit that he had given, by the time he reached that, he was only halfway through the davening. And they were curious that well, he, he had given a time and the time had flown. And what something really amazing happened, at exactly the time that he said he was going to finish, the clock stopped. And it, and he continued davening. And the second he had finished davening and, and he had gotten up to pace where he had said that this is the time I'll be up to, at that point the clock kept on moving. It was an amazing thing. Everyone just saw firsthand an incredible, an incredible thing occur. The Tanya right now is talking about speech. But now... We have traditional speech, the way that speech relates in our life, which means speech does two things. There's two operations in speech, let's call it. There's the operation of something leaving ourselves. We have the, the, the speech inside of ourselves, and then it leaves, and no longer can you say, you know, that person's connected to his speech. The speech, you know, the sound waves have traveled everywhere. The idea is, is no longer a part of that person exclusively. It's the person and the extension of that person, the speech. The second thing that occurs when we when we have speech is that something that was initially re- concealed now becomes revealed. And we say in regards to God, of course, you can't say that something's outside of God because God is everything and everything is God and nothing leaves God. So when we say speech in regards to God, of course, we're not talking about that. But in regards to something that was concealed initially uh, becoming revealed, well, yeah, speech, God creating this world through speech, this world was in a concealed state. And now it becomes a revealed state. And of course, the Tanya qualifies that this only occurs with our perspe- perspective. But in God's, God's perspective, of course, nothing actually changes. The, the, the Tanya. Torah talks in the language of human people. So why do we use the language of speech? Because the truth of the matter is, of course, that speech is not really a good example of, of what's really going on with God. Because we, Torah has to use words that we're able to project outwards with. If, if we didn't use any words, we would have no understanding the slightest. So the clear, the easiest analogy that our tiny, simple human brains can understand is speech. So we use the, the word of speech to, to explain what goes on in regards to the contraction of God's energy and the creation of the world. The kol kach gavru va'atzmat simsumim v'hes upon malyoyim and sheyuchel lisavos v'liyibarim gam devarim tamei miklubas tzarachos lekabach hayusam v'kiyumim midvar Hashem v'ruach pivis parach v'hes upon yirin samadregas. And as we're going to, as we already mentioned, and as we're going to mention later on at great length, the contraction of God's energy 
was to such a degree that there's godliness, there's the God's, there's God's speech, and God's speech, of course, in its purest format is extremely powerful, and it's broken down, broken down, broken down. Imagine a, a window with thousands, millions of, of curtains behind it, blocking, blocking through God's energy and coming, coming through, until such a tiny degree of energy comes through, to such a degree, is this energy been broken down that even impure and things that seem to run counter to revealed godliness are able to get their life too? Idol worship and unclean animals, all these types of things that are actual evil, they're able to get their nourishment, their sustenance, able to get their continuous life every single second from godly energy. And that's the reason why idol worship is called other gods. We just call it nonsense. We should just call it um, sticks and, 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 and stone. But why do we call it foreign gods? They're called godliness, but acharaim. Acha means other. It also means behind the back. Imagine you're giving a friend. Imagine you have a friend and you want to give your friend a gift. What do you do? You show up in the friend's house and you're so excited, you're smiling and you're, you're, you're so joyous and you hand it to them face to face and you, you watch their face to see how excited they are when they receive the gift. That's when you're giving a friend. But if you're giving your enemy something, for some reason you have to give your enemy a gift or whatever it is, you really don't really care how the reaction is. You don't care about looking the person face to face. You're disappointed. So you show up, you you take the gift, you throw it behind your back and you say, well, you know, I, I literally couldn't care less. And you march off. When it comes to godliness in this world, the energy that God gives godliness and holiness and purity and Torah and mitzvahs and these wonderful things is a way of face to face. But when, but idol worship, there's a purpose for it in this world. So God, God gives it the energy in order for it to be continually existing and sustained. But God couldn't care less about, about it per se because this is negativity. So it's, it's called foreign gods but behind gods or behind the shoulder gods. God gives them energy but at the same time these things are temptations for people to, that seem to run counter to revealed godliness. So God gives the energy by way of throwing it over the shoulders if he, in hatred. So too above when it comes to face-to-face countenance. When it comes to holiness, as we explained outside, God wants to give the holiness. He wants to give a safer Torah energy. He wants to give a mitzvah, a coin that's going to Raka Pushka. All these wonderful things, the soul, God wants to give it um, intimate energy. So when it comes to holiness and purity, as we mentioned outside, God wants to give it face to face, it's personal, it's, it's, it's intimate. But when it comes to giving energy to impurity, God throws him on that back because he's telling this is not, this is disgusting. This is the, something that runs counter to revealed godliness or, or the, the divine will. So why does it exist? So why does God bother? Why does an idol, why is an idol able to be created? If it's running counter to, to, to the will of God, then the idol should cease to be. God should just stop giving it energy. But God says, okay, if I create a dynamic with a world with, that has impurity inside of it, and then people 
counter and restrict themselves from being involved in that impurity, well, that will give them so much more benefit. So God says, fantastic dynamic. Let me give energy to impurity. Now, God doesn't want the, the impurity to get all the energy, so he throws it behind the back because that's not the desirable um, um, continuation of God's speech, let's call it. At the same time, this creates a, uh, an infrastructure where righteous people are able to get more reward because they could have bowed down to the idol but now they chose not to so the idol has energy but not in a desirable intimate way and this is considered the the behind the hinder parts of god's will because god most certainly does not want a person to involve himself with this energy which is very negative energy it's behind the back energy at the same time god very much wants this energy to exist so long as we're in exile Mashiach isn't here yet so that it give reward to people that restrict themselves from it so this the balance between the the compromise between it is god gives it energy it continuously is able to be alive and existent otherwise it would cease to be all things even the deepest evil all come from directly from god but it's not in an intimate way. It's not in a face-to-face relationship like holiness has, but it's behind the back and that's it. God just says, okay, here you go. That, here's your energy. Thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful and very successful day and thank you so much for joining.